Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hope. I'm Tammy Lynn Connors. This is my friend, Dean Swift. How are you tonight, Dean? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Good, Thank you so good. much for joining us tonight. Just real quick to let everybody know what Hope is. Hope is my podcast called Helping Other People Evolve. I started this podcast in hopes to help people get through their struggles to get to a strength. I've been interviewing people that have been through struggles in their life, but now they're here to offer hope to others because they've gotten strength through their struggles. And all that I hope in my days is that you can, I can help somebody get out of bed that day or somebody open their front door and actually want to walk out into the world that has been struggling and think that they're all alone. Because in this world, so many people think that we struggle all by ourselves. And there are so many people that have went through struggles that have gotten through a strength. So I always meet the coolest people and I always say God has a way of doing it because Dean, I honestly have no idea. I sent you a friend request. I don't even know when it was and, and I'm not even sure what did it, but, but we accepted the friend request. And then it was probably, I want to say a while later and I saw a post and you writing about, um, your post was about what, what your, what your story is. And so. I remember I read it and I was like, oh, that's an amazing story of hope. I got to get a hold of this guy. So right. I messaged you and we've been going back and forth for a little while. And we talked on the phone a few months ago and it just, your story is powerful. Um, right. I love to hear your strength. I'd love to hear the things that you've done. Um, I guess if we could just start out, you know, kind of where you were at over, I don't know, well, you said 22 years ago that you right. were 22 years ago, you got out of prison. So let's go with maybe like before you went to prison, what you went to prison for, what your life was like then. Okay. So um, early, early on, right. Um, My father passed when I was um, 12 or 13 and he was like a a strict disciplinarian. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, church was mandatory. Like I spent a lot of time in church, you know, and um so when he passed, it was it, it was almost like it was time to get loose. You know, I I could do what I want to do. You know, my mom and I loved her to death, but um, she wasn't a disciplinarian. She was she was a mom, you know. So uh, I got rather rambunctious and started running the streets. Uh, my my running the streets um, turned had a had a wicked turn. You know what okay. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was in Florida. I was still living in Texas with my godparents. And if you can imagine, my godbrother and I are only a month apart. Okay. So that was like, to me, my twin brother. So we got in everything, you know. Um, from there, we we started to gangbang. Because, you know, at the time in the early 80s, um, you know, the L.A. gangs were like prevalent. Um, and they, they just really started to expand, like out in the other places, St. Louis, Dallas, Fort Worth, you know, uh, part, other parts of Missouri, they were just spreading. Right. So, you know, it was, it was cool to us. It was like, man, wow. You know, they in the hood, you know, and, and they helped us get into a lot of stuff. And one of the things that we did get into, unfortunately, was we started to sell drugs and a lot of it, um, so, you know, from there, being growing up as a have not, it kind of put me in a position where I felt like 
I had to get it by any means necessary. Like nobody was going to give it to me. So I had to get it. It was just me. Um, especially living in a, in a state, like I didn't have any family in Texas, like no blood relatives in Texas. I was basically there alone. My mom was in, in Florida, you know, my sisters and brothers were in Florida. So, you know, we just got in a lot of stuff, you know? So, um, that getting into a lot of stuff, you know, landed me in prison with a, a very long prison sentence, um, 40 years to be exact. You know, and when uh, when a judge slapped that gavel, like I was I was only 19 years old, you know, yeah. and uh, I just I just felt like my whole life was over, you know. So at the time, like I went to court so long trying to fight my case that when I caught my case, they had what was called the um, it was like the old law. Right. So for every 10 years that you had you only had to serve a year and seven months okay. right? or a year and nine months. So with that, like by the time I served my seven years, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Then it was the required time for the 40. Okay. So I added up to seven with a year and seven, a uh, year and nine months for each, each 10 years, you know? Okay. So, um, but when I, when he first slapped the gavel, I thought I was like, Oh man, you know, because at the time it was like, I think the law had just changed, but I was already in jail. Right. So the law had just changed and everybody that come in after me, like they were having to do 80 percent. So I'm thinking 80 percent. Right. So that was like, like, I think 32 years or something like that. So I was like, oh, man, my life's over. You know, mm-hmm. by the time I get out, I'm going to be this age. Da, 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 da. So um, I was like, man, I was like, it's cool. You know, I, I got to do what I got to do. And and I went and served that time, man. You know, I, I served seven years in prison. And um, the the first year that I was in there, you know, I was like, man, when I get out, you know, I'm just get a couple of keys, you know, and I'm going to pump it up. I'm going to be worse than before. You know, they, they made a mistake by locking me up. You know, it's just making me a worse criminal. So right. third, about a third year, I was like, well, maybe I just get, you know, one key, you know, and, yeah. and flip it and take the money and do something else, you know. And by the time I got to the sixth year, I was like, man, bump those drugs. You know, I was like, this is unreal, man. You know what I'm saying? Like my my oldest daughter was born while I was in prison. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I came home, like we didn't have a relationship. And, right. and that shit broke my heart. You know, because right. it's my firstborn. But, you know, I I took the path I took, you know. Right. right. So, um, but, you know, prison was interesting. You know, oh, to say sure. the least. Uh, so I skipped to the parts after that. Okay. Know? So um, I came home in '99. And can I just can I just say one thing real quick? I'm sorry, I mean to interrupt yeah, you, ahead. but I know that you shared with me about because this has been pretty prominent when you tell your story about your mm-hmm. mom coming to visit you, mm-hmm. and and what she said to you about when you get out. Right. Yeah. She said she asked me if I knew. Um, what I wanted to do when I came home. And I was like, I, I honestly, mommy, I had no idea. You know, she was like, well, you need to think about it. She was like, because there's no time for lacking and you can't be lax. Like you, you have to hit the ground running when you come home. And and I told her then, I was like, I don't, I don't care if I have to shovel shit. Like I'm not going back to prison, not by my hand. So she was like, okay, that's all I asked. I was like, yeah. okay. 
And and I've always kept that promise. She made mm-hmm. me promise her, and I, I've kept that promise, you know, yeah. for 22 years, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, when I first came home, I was, I think I told you this, I was working at Dunkin' Donuts, right? And before I was able to get that gig, like I used to have to walk every day, you know, but I, I didn't want to go back to prison, you know, so I, I made up in my mind, I was like, whatever I have to do, like I'm, I'm going to do it. So I used to walk every day, it was like six miles. And I make that trick, you know, by the time I get there, I sweat the collar out on my polo. And, you know, I got a, a, a ring of sweat around my belt loops. You know, it was, it was bad because this Florida. Right. It was hot, you know. Right. So I was like, man, I was like, OK, well, I got to do what I got to do. So I finally I landed the gig at Dunkin Donuts and I worked there for a while. And the franchise owner came to me. He was like, you know, you're a hardworking young man. He was like, you want another job? I was like, man, I don't know if I can handle another job. I was like, okay. I was like, well, what I'll be doing? He was like, well, what I would need you to do is just go through the apartments. You know, I own apartment buildings all over the city. Go to the apartment buildings, you know, make sure they're clean. If the carpet needs to be replaced, you put it in order, yada, yada, yada. It's called a make ready. I was like, okay. It's like, how much did it pay? He was like, $8 an hour. So I was like, okay. So quick math, I was like, well, I make $14 an hour, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started thinking, I was like, wait a minute. Because I was working at Dunkin' Donuts from 6 in the evening to 2 in the morning. And I was working at uh, the realty company from uh, uh, 8 in the morning to 5 in the evening. So my sleep patterns were all disturbed, right? So I was doing that, and I was like, man, I'm not really making the money I think I'm making, you know? Right, right. Uh, I was like, it's, it's more like, you know, $6.00 that same $6 and changed with a little change added to it, you know, for a couple hours, you know? Right. I was like, man, I was like, nah, I need something better. So a friend of mine, you know, came to me and he was like, man, I I, I got a job for you. I want to hire you. And, um, it's funny. Like it, the, the story is funny. The guy, he paid me, um, he started me at $10 an hour and then I got up to $13 an hour. I was like, Oh yeah. You know, so I yeah. got me a little apartment, you know, I got me a car, a little hoopty, you know? And um, things seemed to be going, you know, fairly good. You know, I thought thought I had it all figured out. You know, this was about. So um, my ex, like she written me the whole seven years I was in prison. You know, so I thought, you know, this is a woman for me. You know, nothing, there's nothing else for me out there, you know. Right. So I married her, right? And uh, man, that thing lasted <laughs> a couple of months. And it, it was bad because, you know, you you think you love somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. And. Um, things just don't don't add up to be what you think they are. Right. So just to give you an idea. We got married in August and she went to Dallas in September, October, November, December. And I was like, man, listen, if, if you go this time, you can stay like I'm, I'm done. And she left. So I, I went to my mom and I was like, man, I was like, you know, Tasha left. She said she homesick. You know, I was like, you know, I didn't get married for nothing. It's my wife. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got to go be with her. She was like, baby, I don't want you to go back to Texas. Right. You know, I was like, well, I, you know, I, that's my wife, mama. You know what I'm saying? Blah, 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 blah. She said, well, baby, if she loved you, like she said she loved you, she wouldn't have left you. She was like, I wouldn't have left my husband. And yeah. Like, no, that's my wife. You know what I'm saying? Da, 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 da. She was like, okay. 
She was like, if that's what you want to do, she was like, I, I fully support it. She was like, but I don't want you to go. I was like, okay. So I packed up my U-Haul truck, put my car on a trailer, and went to Dallas. Mm. Right? And um, when I got there, the house that she said she had for us didn't exist. Oh, no. Nothing, nothing existed. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Like, it was, it was all a lie. So I left my job, left my family. Moved all the way to Texas, right? On a lie. So oh, now I'm really feeling like a duck. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do, right? So um, my God brother that I told you about earlier, um, we were only born a month apart, right? So we've always been like Heckle and Jekyll. So um, I go to him and I'm like, man, this is... This is nuts. You know, I explained to him what's going on. And, and just to just to give you an idea, like this is his first cousin. Like okay. we all oh. grew up together. You know what I'm okay. saying? So I've known this girl my whole life, basically. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. So um, I went to him. I told him about it, you know. And uh, he was like, man, bump that broad, you know, da 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 You know, he was like, come on, I'm going to take you to the strip club. I was like, okay, whatever. So we go to the strip club. When are we drinking? And I'm drowning my sorrows. You know, right. he ended up having a grand old time. But me, I'm I'm nursing my cup. You know, I'm just, I'm heartbroken. Right. You know? So um, her sister, as soon as we walk out, her sister says, oh, brother-in-law, oh, brother-in-law, your wife needs to see you. She's going through a crisis. I say, going through a what? She's like, she's going through a crisis. I was like, a what? So buddy nudged me. He was like, she's going through a crisis. I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay. I was like, okay, well, you know. She was like, well, come by my house tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. Make a long story short. That lasted probably two more months. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole time that I was in Florida working, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. she was, she was basically having an affair. Oh, but with a with a girl though. Oh, that's, okay. That's why she'd run back to Texas. I got you. Know, you. So you know, at, at the time, I'm like, you know, that's some Jerry Springer shit. You know, <laughs> I was mad. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I I think what happened was I wanted to I wanted to believe. You know what I'm saying? In love so bad mm-hmm. that I accepted it for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. And. I remember I was sick, man. I had taken a job in Dallas, <clears throat> taking a job in Dallas. And um, coming from Florida, you know, you don't get cold, you know. So I'm I'm not thinking about the temperature change from state to state. I'm outside working and it started raining and then it started getting really cold. So oh. I'm, I'm like immediately I'm sick as a dog. So she she used to go out Sunday, Monday. No. Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The only two days she was at home was Tuesday and Wednesday. Right? Uh-huh. So I'm sick as a dog. She in the mirror. She prepping. She got the music going. She bopping. So I was like, baby, where are you going? You know? So she said, some club. So I was like, well, I need you here, man. Like, I'm I'm sick. Like, I'm sick as a dog. Like, I can't even get out of bed. So she was like, she looked at me and she said, I'm not ruining my plans for you. I was like, Ooh. wow. I was like, wow. I'm your husband, man. You know what I'm saying? So she was like, I already made plans and I'm not ruining my plans for you. I was like, okay. So hey, cool. So she left. 
she came back like five minutes later, right? Yeah. And uh, she had a bottle of wall quill. <laughs> like, she didn't even think enough of me to get me real NyQuil. Like, she got, me, right. she got you the off-brand. <laughs> she got me, yeah, she got me the off-brand, you know. She tossed it on the bed. I shook my head. You know, she left. She stayed out. I took that bottle and I chugged like half of it, uh-huh. right? And yeah. I forced myself to get down on my knees. And I said, Lord, you know I love my wife. I I, I honestly believe that, that I didn't marry her for nothing. Like, I, I married her because I felt like you sent her to me. You know, I've been knowing her my whole life. But I don't think I deserve this. And I said, whatever you tell me to do, I do it. Lay down at night, most peaceful night sleep I ever had in my life. And when I woke up the next morning, the first thing that was on my mind, say, man, pack your shit. You don't deserve this. Mm-hmm. And I never looked back. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, I got another girl. That's and we were cool. Yeah, we we were we were we were good, man. And one, you know, one thing that kept me grounded was the fact that. My mom always raised me to believe that, listen, always want a woman. Don't never need a woman. Mm. You understand? Because okay. if you need a woman, you can't call your own shots. Yeah. You understand? Right. So yeah. I had a partner of mine that I went to school with. And you might you might have saw me shout him out a couple of times. Um, he was uh, He came to me. He was like, man, I got the perfect job for you. I was like, really? He was like, yeah. He was like, you're going to like this. He was like, it's hard work, but the money's good. I was like, all right. So. Now, are you still in Texas at this time? Yeah, I'm, at, I'm still in okay. Texas. Okay. okay. So, and this is one of my childhood friends. Okay. So uh, I went I went and, and filled out an application and the boss said, you know, I'm going to give you a job. He was like, because two reasons. He was like, number one, you're on parole. So I know you need a job. Mm-hmm. He was like, number two, you dress really nice. And I like that. You know, he was like a lot of these guys come in in jeans and T-shirts, you know, he was like, you came in with a nice button down, nice dockers, you know, look like you're ready to work. So um, now this is when I entered the field that I'm in now. It's okay. it's like uh, underground engineering. Right. So at the time. I was like the lowest man on the totem pole, you know, but I was getting my fourteen dollars an hour. You know, you couldn't tell me nothing. Right. So. Right. um. I take the job and um, I'm learning and I'm, I'm learning and I'm liking it. You know, it's, it's, it's like it was almost like construction work. But um, so just to give you an idea in Texas, because, you know, Texas is a really old state. Well, all states are old, but Texas right. has old structures, like old infrastructure. And um, so they were replacing all of the steel gas mains in the city with okay. this new new thing called poly, right? It's like hard plastic, basically. So um, I would have to dig a hole in the asphalt every eight feet, right? Like eight feet, i dig a hole in the asphalt, jackhammer in hand, the whole nine yards, you know? And um, so I did that, I did that, I did that. And I did that for a year with that company, right? So I left there because through my time in prison, like I, I hadn't let go. You understand? I, right. I was still carrying that, 
that institutionalized mentality where I felt like um, the only way, the only way to get people to hear me or to get people to understand me was through brute force. Right. So, you know, in prison, there is no talking. Uh, there are no conversations. If if you want to talk, you, nine chances out of ten, you're going to end up somebody's girlfriend. So there wasn't a whole lot of talking. Like, we're we going to scrap, right? I brought that mentality out with me. So it made keeping employment extremely difficult. You see what right. I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So my friend came to me and he said, listen, he said, I know that you're leaving this job. He said, but it's a, it's a good career path. He said, but listen, man, he said, Dean, you have to learn how to keep your hands to yourself, man. Like this isn't prison, bro. Like this is, this is outside. You, you're free. Like you need to act accordingly. And I took that with me. Right. So when I went to the next job, I ended up doing the same thing, but well, not, not on the physical part, you know, I, the same type of employment. But I had learned the aspect of keeping my hands to myself, right? Mm-hmm. But I still hadn't grasped the concept of watch what you say, mm. right? Yeah. So I wouldn't put my hands on you, but I'm going to make you feel this big, you know? Mm-hmm. It, which yeah. is, you know, it, in, in the grand scheme of things, like that's still emotional, you know, to whoever you're talking to, especially if if they're somewhat intimidated anyway. Right. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, and, and the reason that I'm mentioning these things is because with me, it wasn't it hasn't been just financial growth. You see what I'm saying? It's been emotional and mental growth Absolutely. over Absolutely. over a course of more than, you know, 20 years. It's been 22 years to be exact that I walked out of those gates and I said that I'm a I'm a work as hard as I have to work and even harder. And I never let anybody work harder than me. Because an old dude told me a long time ago, <laughs> he said, I have to tell you two things. He said, show me a man that won't lick a little at home, you understand, and kiss a little ass at work, and I'll show you a man whose wife and job I could have. You see what I'm saying? So I never let a person outwork me, and I, I carried that mentality with me through from engineering firm to engineering firm. Majority of the people that work around me are degreed. You see what I'm saying? We talk about master's degrees, but my field is a specialty field. And I learned that over the course of, like I said, more than 20 years. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I go to this, this next engineering firm and I stayed there for nine years, but my loyalty to my friends cost me that job. because. Now I'm in a position where I'm I'm running a little something. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just a truck lead, but I'm running a little something. So I'm putting my faith in a guy that happened to be a partner of mine, and he wasn't doing the job, right? So the way that underground engineering works is, is we'll go through and we'll map everything, right? And then the Department of Transportation or, you know, whoever the client might be at the time, um, they take that information that, that we map for them and then they know how to proceed with, with their budgets for infrastructure and construction and so forth and so on. Right. So, but I'm at this job, I'm still low on the totem pole. You understand? Right. So, but you know, it's okay. But that, you know, it was like, 
you know, you get a raise. It's like 12 cents, you know, one of those jobs. Yeah. You know? So I, I stayed there for a while, but then I got fired from that. And when I say for a while, I was there for nine years. Okay. Right. Now the, the, the entire time that I'm, I'm doing these jobs, like I'm, I'm still reporting to parole okay. every month. It, How long are you on parole for? Until 2032. Oh, you're still on parole. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a, it's a real journey. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, I came to the, to the job that I am now. Well, after I left that job, I went to another engineering firm and I, I stayed there for nine years. Right. And being here, I've been here for four. So okay. my, you know, my time, like I, I go from, I don't, I've only had four jobs since I came home from prison. You know, right. with, I don't, I don't count the Dunkin' Donuts. Like those, right. those were jobs. Those were like slave wages. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Those are 25 cents an hour. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, man, but, um, yeah, but it, it was like, man, so many, like so many trials and tribulations. And I, you know, when, when you told me what hope stood for, it was like, I was like, man, that's perfect. You know, because yeah. it's, it's so many young guys that get caught up in the system and, they they get out and they think that it's hopeless. Like they don't they don't have anybody. You know, one of the things that that I thank God for is that I had a strong support system. You know, my mom, my sister, my brother. You know, good friends that didn't want to see me go back to prison. You know, right. I had that. A lot of people don't have that. But right. even if you don't have that, like it's one day at a time. It's just like it's just like going to to rehab or or, or AA meetings. You know, what I'm yes. saying like you have to take it one day at a time. You can't you can't judge yourself by what your friends have. Because if if I if I did that, like I'd probably went back to prison. You know, because hell, a lot of my friends are still moving drugs. Right. You, you see what I'm saying? But oh, then you yeah. look at them now. We almost fifty years old. You know, a lot of them got a mouthful of gold tea, can't go and get a job, don't know how to do shit. You know, you can't support your family. You got grandkids now. It's like, come on, dude. You know, what if if it's it's 2021, man. You know, we were kids. We made our mistakes, you know, but grown men do grown men things, man. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And I, I like what you said, because I know that when we talked, you know, it's about like you said, some of the, the the guys getting out of prison or even beforehand, you know, just being able to share with them, like, here I was, and you could have gotten out and you could have, like, like you said, you had the support of your family, which is mm -hmm. great. But a lot of people do have the support of their family and they still go that other way, and right? Go that other route, right. So really what it depends on is you, mm -hmm. how you feel, but for someone to see that, that it can be done. I think mm -hmm. that's a big thing, you know, because right. especially with our systems, I mean, I, I've never, I haven't, I experienced one night in jail and that was enough for me. Um, right. And so, but you know, they call them correctional facilities, but mm -hmm. are, do they really do correction? No, not really. No. But to get out and to be able to have you share your hope with others. And I mm -hmm. know we talked about that, you know, that you, you, you like to do that and helping right. you know, younger men and, you know, just, just showing them that, that you can. And you said today, even you saw a guy walk, younger guy walking down the road that you offered yeah. a job to. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I try, I try my hardest because I, I honestly believe that everybody deserves a chance, man. You know, and you know, like I told you is from, this is the, this is my latest engineering firm, but at this, I'm a manager, like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm the head of the whole South Florida division. 
So awesome. you know the yeah, and it's like they don't they don't see my my record. They don't care that I'm an ex convict. You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't matter to them. What matters to them is the character and the integrity that I bring to the job. You see what I'm saying? So depending on on who the young man is, depending on you know what his mindset is is going to determine whether he's able to stay out of prison. If you, you know, you can't walk that line, man. You know what right. I'm saying? And, and I walked that line, like I got out of prison in 99 and in 2000, 2001, I got shot. Right. Oh. B- yeah. Being, being in the, being in the hood, back in the hood, yeah. you know, my God, brother, we, we aces, you know, he, when I went to prison, he still owed me six thousand dollars. Yeah, wow. I needed my money. You know, the oh. debts had died, but this is between family. We family. I need my money. He was like, "Well, he owes me five thousand dollars. If you get that five thousand dollars, you can have it." Oh, so I asked the dude, "When you gonna pay my brother's five his six thousand dollars?" So he said, "Well, he said, I said, when you gonna pay my brother's five thousand dollars?" He said, "He said I pay him when I and I." He thought he was getting ready to say, "When I get ready," you know, right. and I slapped him. You know, oh. and it slapped him asleep. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And um, it, it caused a big stir. So days later, the guy that I slapped asleep, him and my god brother got into it, you know, in the middle of the street. And I'm just getting off work. I'm dirty, you know. And I'm in my neighborhood. I was known as a fighter, right? So um, I told my brother, I mean, my god brother, I was like, man. I was like, you ain't got to fight him. I'll fight him for you. You know what I'm saying? So the dude was like, nah, let him fight his own battles. You know, blah, blah, blah. So they going around in circles. Now keep in mind, we still kids. We like 25 right. years old. Like I came home when I was 26. Right. So, and I just come home. Right. So right. Um, <laughs> they going around in circles. So his friend says, well, you don't have anything to do with it. I say, you're right. I don't have nothing to do with it. I don't want no trouble. You know what I'm saying? I'm just here, man. I don't want no trouble. Mm-hmm. Right. I know you don't want no trouble. Da, 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 da. You know, you're going off this and that. Woo, woo. So I'm I'm Mr. Quick Temper. I still got that institutionalized mentality. You understand? Yeah. So needless to say, I knocked him out. But when he woke up, his girlfriend was pulling up and he was going to the trunk. Right. Oh. So it's, it's too many people outside watching. So I got to be Mr. Bravado. I was, what you going to do with that? You know, I'm going to my car. If I make it to my car and I get back, get dead, man. Right? I turn my back to walk to my car and he shot me in it. Oh. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, But I said that to say that for every action, there's a reaction. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And there's always consequences. Yes. Um, That was one of them. So that cost me. So now... I found this new job I really love, right? And I can't go to work. Oh, right. No benefits, no insurance, no nothing. Oh. Right? Yeah. So that taught me a valuable lesson. So now, when even when the young guys come in for the interviews, like, we have to have a real conversation, man. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm cool with your qualifications. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But let's sit down and have a real conversation, because when I took the when I took the um, the promotion for this job, one of my stipulations was that I was able and authorized to hire ex convicts and people in recovery. Nice. If I can't do that, I don't want the position. You, awesome. you see what I'm saying? Because yeah. 
somebody gave me a shot. Right. So I in my my moral code says that I have to pay it forward. If you won't allow me to pay it forward and I got all of this power and all of this authority, then I don't want it. Yeah. And he That's said, awesome. we're absolutely fine with that. That's awesome. I like, cool. Yeah. I'm taking the job yeah. here. Yeah, because <laughs> I was just talking to somebody today and we were talking about that. Like, you know how, like we said, you know, like you get out of prison and then you go to get a job and nobody's going to hire you because you're a right. felon and mm-hmm. or you're a drug addict. And, you know, then they find out and then they fire you. And and I mean, you we're people, right? We're yeah. human beings. I mean, here yeah. you sit, you're a gangbanger and a drug dealer, right? Mm-hmm. Here I sit, I was alcoholic addict, you know, mm-hmm. but but that doesn't make us bad people. It was we right, made bad right. decisions, you know, bad choices, was, right. bad choices. that doesn't make mm-hmm. us a bad person. So yeah. I love that you're able to do that. That's, yeah. that's awesome. So you I'm know, sure I, do, do you know who, um, do you know who little James is? James Prince? No, I don't. He, he owns a, a rap label in Houston called rap a lot. Okay. And, and something that he said last night that I, I thought was really profound. Right. He says that, you blessed with two things every day when you wake up. That's a chance and a choice. Mm. So you get the chance to wake up, right? Yeah. What, what the choices that you make with that chance depend on you. Yeah. You know? And and I thought that was deep because it's that like, is. man, you granted you granted a new beginning every day. Every day. Do something every with day. it, man. Yeah. yeah. That's that's you fly that's, here if you let it be. That's right. Well, that's what, and I'm big on saying that too. Like I just was talking about that yesterday when I did a little live video and I said that, you know, some days you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, but man, if you open your eyes and you think about, I just got to open my eyes. I got to take a breath. Now I have a chance or a Mm -hmm. choice to go out there and make it the best day that I possibly can for myself or for somebody else. Yeah. And if I can make it a great day for somebody else and it's a great day for myself too. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely, yeah. 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 So now you're also an author, correct? I am. I am. Yes. Yeah. It's it's uh it's funny, you know. My life, my life has been uh really good material for fiction. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it makes for a uh, very good fiction. You know, when people don't know that they're reading like real life stuff, but you disguise it as fiction. Right. Yeah. Well, because I yeah. I've been reading your book, the yeah, uh, innocent. The- the innocent. Yeah, that yeah. one. And remember I asked you, I was like, is this your real life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah you know? I, know, I know, I know a lot of people, man, that had, you know, trials and tribulations that they went through, you know? And, um, fortunately I'm able to, to bring those, those situations to paper, you yeah. know, um, combined with my own and, you know, the people that I knew, the people that I grew up around, you know, it's plenty of stories to tell. Man. Yeah. And so far I've written 14 books. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. 10, 10, 12 hours a day working, still come home and find time to write books, you know? And you're yeah. married, correct? I am. I am. I'm married. Me and my wife, actually, March, we'll celebrate our 10th wedding anniversary. We've been oh, together for 17 years. Yeah. Oh, got three beautiful awesome. children, man. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. So when you walked out of those prison gates back in 1999, would you ever imagine this was what your life would be like now? No, if you'd have told me, I thought you were lying to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean I'm I'm it's a home office, but I'm sitting in the office. Yeah. You know, in a, yeah. In a yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean so, you have a home, you have a, a wife, you have kids, you yeah. have 
I mean, just. I mean, I, mean just, I, I come from the street and I'm in corporate America, man. Yeah, that's you know, awesome. I, I go to work at a, in a corporate setting every day, you know, yeah. and um, I work with engineers and scientists and developers and man, it's, it's, it's wonderful. You know what I'm saying? To, to be able to go from feeling hopeless mm-hmm. to, to being able to see hope and, yes. and to experience it, you know what I'm saying? And firsthand yes. you know, and, and know that it's real. Right. You know? And then like, to be able to share that with something. Yeah. Yeah. Most yeah. definitely. You know, I think it's, it's important. You know, I, I was talking to um a book club in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and um, the lady asked me, she was like, if if you could do anything, like, just to give back, what would it be? I say, if if I could do anything to give back, like, what I would give is I would build walls. She was like, what do you mean build walls? I say, I would build walls around our children, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To protect them from the system. Because mm-hmm. when you go into the system, whether it's the foster system, whether it's the juvenile system, as long as you're in the system and your name is in that database, yeah. like you're a part of, of the system now. Like mm-hmm. you're in there. Once you're in yeah. the system, you're in the system. You understand? So if we, yeah. if we build these walls with children uh, around our children, you know, uh, uh, literacy programs, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Um, straight education, like real education. Real education. You know, yeah, real education. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not you know, the stuff that they teach. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, I, I would really like to do that, man, because I think it's important. Because nobody, listen, nobody told me when I was a kid that I could be shit. Like nobody told me, you know, I remember my mom asking me one time, um, what are you going to do when you grow up? You know, Uh I I told her, I said, I want to think about going to the Navy, Uh you know, and then it was a subject for, you know, a few months and then it just died down. Right. Right. You see what I'm saying? And I think what happens is that parents get so caught up in being parents and adulting that they forget that you have a seed coming up underneath you that needs guidance. Yes. You understand? <clears throat> so with, with my wife and I, we like, we unplugged. Right. And it's, it's all about the kids. Yeah. You know, um, I don't, I don't sugarcoat things with my kids. Mm-hmm. You understand? I let them know that although you're of biracial descent, you understand? You're still classified as black in the United States. You understand? So with that said, we have to uh, put into some real measures where you know to be careful. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, like I just, I give it to them real because I don't want them. I never want them to have to go anywhere to get the information that I could have freely supplied them. Yes. You, you see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like what you said about like they're 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 the seeds, right? And mm-hmm. we need to water basically mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. to help them to be the harvest, you know, one day. And yeah. you can't like you said, you can't just go around sugarcoating life, you right. know, and, and right. not let them hear those things. And especially like I don't know, like biracial or, mm-hmm. or black. I'm of course not, but mm-hmm. I I'm learning more and more and more. And and that's right. I think it's awesome that you're that you're teaching your children that because they don't know. You know, yeah. and and it's 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 sad, yeah. but it's true. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, the way the way that I see things is like 
somewhere, somewhere and sometime, like we have to, we have to break the cycle of lies. Yes. Right? Because we, we honestly, my daughter, she's still 10. So she still believes in Santa Claus. You know, mm-hmm. but, uh, <laughs> You know, this is this is one of the lies that we it perpetuate. You, you see what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. we, we perpetuate the lie that, you know, a a, a rabbit laid an egg, right? Mm-hmm. We we perpetuate that lie. You know, and it's just so we we, we train kids mm-hmm. to basically lie, right? Right. And then we tell them what do we tell them? We say, Well, you know, if uh uh if you date more than one person, you know what I'm saying, like you know, yeah. that makes you, you know, whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you, when you, when you train your kids to date multiple people, then you basically training them for divorce because you, you telling them that, okay, it's okay that when you get tired of that person, get you another one. Right. When you Just get tired on. of that person, get you yeah. another one. Let's go move you, on. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, we have real conversations with our kids because we live in a real world. Mm-hmm. The 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 uh, do it because I said so days like that shit's over. Mm-hmm. You know, these yeah. kids are they somewhere else. Like those days are over. You know, just yeah. no, they want to know why, and right. I freely give it to them. Like I'm an author, I can talk to you all day. I got mm-hmm. I, I got a lot of words in my head. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? yeah. 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 And then I like what you said too about is your ten year old around you right now? No. Okay. So well, I like what you said too about the whole Santa Claus thing, because I mm-hmm. think about that a lot too. And the other thing is, is not only are we teaching them a lie, but we're also teaching them, let's just say there's another six-year-old and the 10-year-old still believes. And we're like, don't tell, you're not allowed to tell that. Mm-hmm. Right. So now you're like that whole thing of that happens from a young age, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and that's what we believe. That's our truth from when we're right. little, you know, exactly. and I, I thought about that a lot too. And, and that leads right into then when, I mean, my mom was from the generation that you don't talk about things. You keep mm-hmm. it quiet. You don't tell the neighbors. You don't tell anybody because what will they think of us? Right. You know, well, for a long time, that's why I didn't share a lot of my story because I felt that way. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I love, I love, I really, I love all my podcast interview, but honestly, I love interviewing men because mm-hmm. I think for all the time men have been told, keep it quiet. You know, you're a man. Don't say anything. Don't share right. your feelings. Right. So, so many young men, especially, mm-hmm. are keeping their feelings to themselves because they, they don't know that they're allowed to. It's right. just not supposed to. That was what they've been told. And right. now a lot of them are suffering from the anxieties and all those effects mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. So when I have men on here, I love it because it's just a man opening his heart and just sharing yeah, hope. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I think I think it's important. It's, it's like, it's almost like flushing, right? Like you, right. you can't, if you keep it, if you keep it bottled up, then eventually you're going to explode. Right. You know? And who needs negative energy? You Nobody. Know? So me, I, I tell you what, when, when I was, um, when I first started writing, right, I had did my, um, I had did the Hustle Chronicles one, two, and three. And then I had moved on to Tainted, right? And with Tainted, I still had the same editor. And, and I had this, like this, this, this displaced loyalty, for this mm-hmm. lady, you know what I'm saying? Because she helped me so much with my first three books. So it was almost like a mother figure. You understand? Okay. Uh-huh. So by the time I made it to my fourth book, like I, I went to her and keep in mind, she's not doing this for me for free. Like she 
really slapping my head, like she getting over on me, and I don't know because I'm I'm green, I'm brand new, right? Um, so it was it was costing me a lot of money to drop a book, you know what I mean? So um, with the second book, I I went to and I was like, listen, um, for this book, like I I had a couple of reviews that said, you know, a little bit, a, a few had a few editing issues, you know, just a couple, but I want to bring it to your attention because, you know, I checked against the manuscript and I spelled it right. You know, right. It, and it was something simple like Spelman College, right? So right. anybody that knows anything about Spelman College knows that Spelman College is spelled with one L, right? right? Well, she ran it through spell check and it picked it up and it split the word and put an L, like it's Spellman instead of Spellman College. You understand? Oh, okay. So it, yeah, I brought it to her attention. She got upset, and um, she talked to me really, really, really bad. And she was older than me, right? So okay. you know, I'm from the generation where you don't disrespect your elders, man. Right. And I said, I said, you know what? I said you're absolutely right, and I'm gonna end this phone call. So I ended the phone call, and I laid down at night, and I was, I was pissed. Because mm-hmm. I had so much that I wanted to say, but I couldn't. Right. Right. And um, I laid down at night and had a mild stroke. Oh. Yeah. And I, I I made up in my mind then that if it hurts your feelings, mm-hmm. it's better your feelings hurt than me laying in the hospital for six days, unable yeah. to work and support my family. Right. 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 So yeah, self care, man. It's you know, huge. It's yeah. huge. You know, you, love- you can't you can't take care of other people if you don't take care of yourself. That's you just right. can't do it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So um yeah, this has been really awesome. I've yeah. loved this this chat. Um we gotta we gotta do it again, man. Yeah, and, you know, we will when I come to Florida. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. I'm doing my fifty states of hope. So I okay. I'm hoping that like people that I've interviewed in other states, I can like be there and be like, okay, let's do this again. And let's do it then. So, but I, I'm glad that we did it now. Cause I was, I won't be in Florida until like, I don't know, summer. It's probably gonna be really hot, but that's yeah. probably when I'll be there. So yeah. yeah. But like yeah. you said, it's hot there all the time. So. <laughs> well, I tell you, this is the way that it works. So from, let's just say we're starting January, right? So uh-huh. from January and February, it's like, um, January and February is usually like uh, in that 72 up to like your high might be 80. It's in that okay. range. Uh-huh. From March from March to early June is like it starts to creep up to mm-hmm. like 85 and 90. July and August and the 1st of September are the hottest months in Florida. Okay. So it'll, it'll, yeah, it'll get a, you know, some places, depending on what part of Florida you're in or where, you know, the ground conditions, hell, it could get up to 101, 102 degrees. December, like around this time, you know, it's it's always hot, man. It's always beautiful, right. you know. Yeah. Like they say it never rains in Southern California. You know, it rains here. But yeah. the sun's always shining, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Awesome. So is there any last words that you'd like to say to anybody, you know, offer them some hope or some guidance or anything? Listen, um, this is, this is what I can tell you as bad as you think it is. It could always be worse. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two, always remember, right. That man, when it's raining, as soon as the rain dries up, man, the sun come out, it's beautiful outside. Yes. 
Like, yes. like get outside, get active, you know, and, and try your hardest to engage with people that think like you. Yes. Because yes. if you surround yourself with good people, like good things are bound to happen, man. Uh-huh. And I, I believe that because since I've been home, like I've had some really positive people that actually want to see me win, you know? Yes. And yes. Um, if, if I could tell anybody anything about hope, man, it was that, listen, hope is a beautiful thing, right? Mm-hmm. Hope and faith go hand in hand, mm-hmm. you know? If yeah. you don't believe, if you don't believe nothing else, you understand, you can believe that somebody love you, man. You all love and you all loved, man. Trust. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for getting Most on definitely. here. With I really enjoyed it. I know you've had a really long day, so. Yeah, yeah. I'm finna get in here and, and, and dig into this dinner, man, and try to nice. get me a shower and lay it down, you know? Awesome. I'm well, off tomorrow, though. Today is my Friday. So. Oh, good, good. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and end this, and okay. I will. I can't wait to talk to you again. Have a good night, everybody.